Welcome to Espresso Prime, a podcast all about primes, short enough to listen to while you enjoy your cup of coffee. Hello, hello. Welcome to a new episode of Espresso Crime. Today's Sunday scaries are all about crimes in Michigan and Minnesota, which includes the Michigan murder, the railway sniper, one of Michigan's most prolific serial killers, the serial stabber, and 13 other sinister cases. Let's get right into it. The first one on the list for Michigan is Andrew Kao. He ran for re-election as treasurer for a school board. He lost and became disgruntled. Disgruntled is putting it extremely lightly. He went on to murder his wife. He set off bombs at the school on May 18, 1927, where there was 38 kids and 6 adults killed and 58 more were injured. At his home, he set off even more bombs. This destroyed all the buildings and killed several farm animals. Near the school, he then committed suicide by setting off dynamite in his truck. This caused an explosion which killed even more people and injured more. How just senseless devastating and just a complete like domino effect just so sad second on the list is john collins he's also known as the michigan murderer he terrorized areas within the state between 1967 to 1969 he preyed on young women who were in the the ages of 13 and 21 he would abduct them rape them murder them and then would dump their bodies he was sentenced to life and is currently in prison Number three is Rudy Bledel. He was also known as the Railway Sniper. He was found guilty of killing between three and seven railway workers in Michigan and Indiana between 1963 and 1978. He was apparently, or it's best, um, kind of thought that he did this because he was upset of about losing his job as a railroad fireman. He received three consecutive life sentences and he died in prison in 2006. Number four on the list is Carl Eugene Watts. He's also known as the Sunday Morning Slasher. He could be Michigan's most prolific serial killer. At the young age of 12, he began having fantasies about abducting and torturing women. At 15, he sexually assaulted a 26-year-old woman in her own home. He started killing as a 20-year-old, and this is when he would kidnap his victims, torture them, and then murder them. His crime spree went from 1974 to 1982. Number five on the list. Between February 1976 and March 1977, at least four children in Oakland County, Michigan, were all murdered. The victims were two boys and two girls. They all raged in age from 10 and 12. They were abducted and later found dead in nearby public places. While there have been several suspects over the years, no charges have ever been filed and it remains an unsolved case. Number six on the list. Between 1977 and 1978, Donald Jean Miller, who was a serial rapist and murderer, killed four women, including his fiancée. While attempting to sexually assault his fifth victim, he was arrested. In exchange for revealing the location of his previous victims' bodies, he was convicted of a lesser charge of manslaughter. In 1978, he was sentenced to 30 to 50 years plus an additional 15 being added on in 1979. Number 7. Benjamin Atkins. He's also known as the Woodward Corridor Killer. He was convicted in, in the deaths of 11 women in Detroit and Highland Park in, in the 1990s. He mostly targeted sex workers and drug addicts. His calling card was leaving a sock in his victim's mouth. After being sentenced to several life imprisonments, he died in 1997. Number seven on the list, 
Benjamin Atkins. He was convicted in the deaths of 11 women in Detroit and Highland Park in the 1990s. He mostly targeted sex workers and drug addicts, and his calling card, if you will, was leaving a sock in his victim's mouth. After being sentenced to several life imprisonments, he died in 1997. Number eight on the list is pretty similar. Between 2001 and 2006, it is believed that Shelley Andre Brooks murdered at least seven sex workers in Detroit and Highland Park. Brooks, who was homeless at the time of the murders, would lure unsuspecting sex workers into abandoned buildings and then proceed to rape them before beating them to death with a rock or a stick. In March of 2007, Brooks was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole and is currently in prison. Number nine on the list, Christopher Dankoch was only 15 in 2005 when he stabbed his mother 111 times in their home. He was sentenced to at least 25 years in prison and that would make him about 40 years when he would be done his prison sentence. Number 10 on the list is Stephen Grant. He's convicted for killing his wife and dismembering her body in 2007. Police found her torso and the other body parts in the couple's home in a Detroit suburb. It was an extremely gruesome case and Grant was able to get the charge of first degree murder reduced to second degree murder and this made it for a shorter sentence. He was sentenced to 50 years in prison in 2008. Number 11 on the list is Eliza Abulzem. He became known as a serial stabber. This is because between 2009 and 2010, he stabbed 18 people and five of those 18 did die. The stabbing became national news when he crossed state lines to continue his stabbing terror. He was sentenced to life in prison for his crimes and he remains in prison today. The last case on our list of crimes for Michigan takes place on Thanksgiving Day in 2010. So three brothers who were 9, 7, and 5 were taken by their father from his home. Investigators say that on that night, the boy's father, John Skeleton, took the boys, and this was during a heated divorce and custody battle with their mother. Using phone records, the police tracked John's movements that morning. According to the cell phone records, he traveled 25 miles away to a nearby Holiday City, Ohio. It is believed that the boys were still alive during this trip. However, after that day, they have never been seen again. John Skeleton was arrested and charged with unlawful imprisonment of his three sons. He is currently in prison in Iowa. However, he has never revealed the location of the three missing brothers. And now for crimes in Minnesota, we have the first on the list is Harry T. Hayward. He was born in 1865. We love a good throwback crime. So he was an American gambler, arsonist, and murderer. This is one of the most infamous crimes during the late 1800s. In January 1894, Harry Hayward met Catherine Ging. She was a tenant at his parents' building. He persuaded her to give him a large amount of money, which he used for gambling. When Catherine wanted her money back, Hayward paid her back with fake bills. Privately, he described Catherine as an easy mark. On December 3rd, 1894, Catherine's body was found shot behind the ear on a road. It was later revealed that Hayward had talked to her about purchasing a $10,000 life insurance policy, of course, naming him as the sole beneficiary. Upon her body being found, Hayward became the primary suspect. He started to tell people that Catherine actually borrowed money from him and he was certain someone killed her for it. Well, he's not wrong. On March 11, 1895, the judge sentenced Hayward to death by hanging. 
Hours before his hanging, Hayward gave a detailed interview to his cousin and a court reporter. He admitted to numerous arsons, assaults, swindles, and three unsolved murders. Number two on the list is another throwback crime. It is Charles Carl Panzram. He was born in Minnesota on June 28, 1891. He was an American serial killer, arsonist, robber, and burglar. In prison, he did confess to having committed 21 murders, most of which, though, could not be corroborated. He also confessed to having committed more than a thousand acts of sodomy on boys and men. After a series of imprisonments and escapes, he was executed in 1930 for the murder of a prison employee at the prison he was in. Only five of the confessed murders could be confirmed, though it is suspected he could have killed more than 100 men in total in the United States alone, as well as several murders overseas. He was quoted as saying, the only way to reform a man is to kill him. Number three on the list is Paul Michael Stefani. He was born September 8th, 1944. He was an American serial killer and he was also known as the weepy voice killer due to a series of telephone calls he made to police anonymously reporting his crime. And this was done in a really remorseful and high-pitched voice. He killed three women in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area between 1980 and 1982. He picked up a 19-year-old sex worker named Denise Williams on August 21st, 1982. He was sent, or sorry, Denise sent something was wrong when Stefani began driving through a dark suburban area rather than returning her back to the city where he originally picked her up. After turning onto a dead-end road, he stabbed her 15 times with a screwdriver. During the attack, Williams was able to hit him on the head with a glass bottle. This caused cuts to his uh, his head and face. Her screams drew the attention of a man who lived nearby, and upon seeing Stefani trying to stab Williams again, he began to wrestle with him, causing Stefani to flee the scene. The man was able to call for an ambulance and later help identify Stefani. However, when Stefani returned home to his apartment, he noticed he was bleeding badly and sought medical help. It was then that it was confirmed that he was the weepy voice killer and linked him to the Williams attack and then the other. Number four on the list. On the early evening of February 18, 1988, sheriff's deputies discovered the bodies of Bernard, who was 43, Paulette, who was 42, Diane, who was 13, and Richard, who was 11, in the Brom family home. Missing from the home, though, were the two oldest sons, David, 16, and Joe, 18. The police had been notified by the administration of David's school that students had reported hearing a rumor that David had informed another student that he had killed his family that morning. This is insane. All four individuals had sustained numerous gashes in the head and upper body. Police found a bloodstained axe in the basement that forensic tests indicated was used to kill all four victims. Immediately after the discovery, the police were concerned that David might be the victim of an abduction. Things are going to take just no. So David was captured on February 19, 1988 while using a payphone near the local post office. His case was initially referred to the juvenile court system because of his age at the time was 16, but it was eventually sent to the adult system based on the severity of the crime. I mean, he was literally up for killing his parents and two siblings. So his, his defense claim was insanity. Um, so it was necessary to determine if David Brom was legally insane at the time of the crime. 
On October 16, 1989, David Brom was convicted of first-degree murder and was given three consecutive life sentences with 52 years and six months before parole. The motive for killing his parents, you ask? Oh, you know, just that they disliked his music that he listened to and the chores they made him do. Wow. Number five on the list and our last one for today's episode is Tilmer Eugene Cotton Thomas. He was born August 7th, 1927 and was an attorney from St. Paul, Minnesota who hired a hitman to kill his wife. In December 1963, he was sentenced to life in prison. He was paroled in 1983 and died on his 88th birthday. That was on August 7th, 2015. Wow, he died, sorry, he died on the his actual birthday. I, that's crazy. I know we just went through like 17 cases of like really crazy sinister stuff that's like what in the world, but him dying on the same day he was born is really just throwing me for a loop. Okay, thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you, in a weird way, enjoyed it. Um, It's always so weird to be like, oh, hope you love this episode of really dark, dark stuff. But thank you for listening, and I will see you Sunday for more Sunday Scaries by Expresso Crime. Bye for now.